Grace and peace and welcome to digital live streamed online worship here from the pastor's office at Cokesbury United Methodist Church in Woodbridge, Virginia. It is good to gather with you in spirit, in truth, and also in the wonder that is the internet. Uh, for those of you tuning in from our church, you know who I am. For those of you who are not, my name is Taylor Mertens. I serve as the pastor at Cokesbury here in Woodbridge. And in light of the rise and the spread of the coronavirus, this is our second week of streaming our worship service online. Uh, I'm thrilled that you have chosen to gather with us uh, on this Sunday morning. If you're watching it later, I hope you're enjoying it then as well. Uh, it's a strange time for the church. You can watch this. You can worship in the comfort of your pajamas. You can pause me, go refill your coffee, and come back. Uh, this is... Um, it's a wonderful and weird kind of thing, but I am uh, grateful for those of you who are tuning in. I hope you hear the Lord speak uh, today. Uh, to begin, I kind of wanted to just talk about habits for a second because I am admittedly a creature of habit. There are a lot of habits I have. I like to do the same things over and over again at the same time. I like to go to the gym the same days at the same time during the week. I like to go to the same grocery store, get the same things, all this sort of stuff. I before I became a pastor, was the kind of person who sat in the same pew every single Sunday. And we're all in some way, shape, or form uh, shaped and formed by our habits, the things that we do over and over and over again. That's something we talk about here at church all the time. We talk about in our Sunday school classes. What are the habits we have that inform us, that shape us? Because what we do regularly starts to actually affect uh, the kind of people we are. And I know for a time uh, in my life when I was in seminary, I went to morning prayer with a bunch of Episcopalians every single morning, and that really shaped me such that now uh, it's nearly impossible for me to come to church in the morning, whether it's in the week or on a Sunday, without first going to the sanctuary, kneeling on the ground, going through prayer. Uh, and, and that, in a way, because it's become a habit, has shaped uh, the rest of my day and the rest of my life. And this is a time where all of our habits have sort of been thrown off. We can't go out and do a lot of the things that we're used to doing. Uh, we can't gather together on Sunday mornings in person because it's not safe. And I know that that shift to our habits uh, can be, for some, really, really devastating. For others, it can just sort of be inconvenient. Uh, but this is a time for us to think about our habits, our good habits and our bad, uh, what we do that shapes who we are, shapes what we believe and how we behave. It's a lot because um, one of the habits we have in our family uh, before we eat is we always pray, and we let our son, Elijah, he's three, he's turning four at the end of next month, uh, we let him sort of lead the prayer, and he will often pray, a prayer that he's learned in preschool. Um, thank you, Father, thank you, Father, you know, it's this kind of singing thing. Uh, but the other day, we said to him, hey, Elijah, we're going to say uh, this prayer called the Lord's Prayer that we say in church. And we said, our father who art in heaven, he said, no, wait, 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 wait. I want to do it by myself. We thought, Elijah, we haven't taught this to you yet. Like we haven't sat down. We haven't told you the words. He said, no, 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 I got it. And homeboy said the whole thing right then and there. Uh, and I realized that it's not because it was taught to him. It's not anything like that. It was just a habit he's picked up. He's heard us say it so often. He's heard it in church so many times that whether, um, whether or not someone sat him down and said, these are the things you need to say. He has a habit. Uh, so now uh, we can't have any meal without him saying the Lord's Prayer before we eat. And I think habits are kind of like that. 
Sometimes they're things we actively think about and work on. Sometimes they're things that are done to us. Uh, so this time that's strange for us to think differently about who we are, maybe it's time for us to think about what our habits are. What are the things we do regularly? What do they say about who we are? And perhaps more importantly, whose we are. So I just wanted to start with that. I want to share a couple more announcements. The first being, as I said, uh, we are uh, closed for in-person worship today, and we're also going to be closed uh, in-person uh, worship for next Sunday, March 29th. So you can plan to tune in online next Sunday as well. Uh, because we're not gathering in person and we are still a church and we still have bills and we still have ministries that we are participating in, we uh, do request that if you're someone who supports us financially to uh, consider uh, sending in your tithe or your offering through the mail. If you want to give online, you can do that through our church website. In the video, there should be a link below uh, where you can give if that's something you're able to do. Another thing is that local grocery stores are starting to change their operating uh, hours and procedures around us to adapt to the current situation. We sent out an email earlier in the week uh, about the different grocery stores and how they're going to change their times. If that's something uh, you didn't receive that you would like to know more about, just send an email to cokesbearumc at gmail.com and we will help uh, to keep you updated on what's going on in the church, but also what's going on in our local community. Uh, so with that, I want to start with a time of silence. So wherever you are, however you're listening or watching, if you could just uh, find a comfortable position and just calm your breath and center yourself as we prepare to worship together. Lord, let your will be done. Nothing more, nothing less, and nothing else. Amen. Uh, we're going to have another time for prayer. Uh, in uh, the United Methodist Church, we have a thing called the Book of Worship that helps us guide how we do the things we do on Sunday mornings and other times that we're together. And there's a, a great prayer in here that we stole from the Episcopalians, from the Book of Common Prayer, and this is a litany for the church and for the world. Uh, I'm going to guide us through this time of prayer, so again, if you can become comfortable there will be moments of silence for you to uh, say either silently in your hearts or in your own rooms, wherever you may be, something you want to lift up as well. And then there will be a common refrain in which I will say, Lord, in your mercy, and from wherever you are, if you can join me by saying, uh, hear our prayer. So let's pray. Grant, Almighty God, that all who confess your name may be united in your truth, live together in your love, and reveal your glory in the world. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Guide the people of this land, O Lord, and of all the nations in the ways of justice and peace, that we may honor one another and serve the common good. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Lord, give us all a reverence for the earth as your own creation that we may use its resources rightly in the service of others and to your honor and glory. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Bless all whose lives are O Lord, and grant that we may serve Christ in them and love one another as Christ 
loves us. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Comfort and heal all those who suffer in body or in mind or in spirit. Give them courage and hope in their troubles and bring them the joy of your salvation. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We commend to your mercy all who have died, that your will for them may be fulfilled. And we pray that we may share with all your saints in your eternal kingdom. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. And as you taught us, O Lord, so now we pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Our uh, scripture reading, our scripture lesson today comes from the Old Testament. This is uh, from 1 Samuel 16 verses 1 through 13. I have no idea upon what page you can find this in the Bibles you have at home. So hear now the reading of God's word. The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you grieve over Saul? I have rejected him from being king over Israel. Fill your horn with oil and set out. I will send you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided for myself a king among his sons. Samuel said, How can I go? If Saul hears of it, he will kill me. And the Lord said, take a heifer with you and say, I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice and I will show you what you shall do. And you shall anoint for me the one whom I name to you. So Samuel did what the Lord commanded and came to Bethlehem. The elders of the city came to meet him trembling and said, do you come peaceably? He said, peaceably. I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Sanctify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. And he sanctified Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. And when they came, he looked on Eliab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed is now before me. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord does not see as mortals see. They look on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Then he called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel. And he said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. Then Jesse made Shema pass by, and he said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel, and Samuel said to Jesse, The Lord has not chosen any of these. So Samuel said to Jesse, Are all of your sons here? And he said, There remains yet the youngest, but he is out keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, send, bring him, for we will not sit down until he comes here. And he sent and brought him in. Now David was ruddy, he had beautiful eyes, and he was handsome. And the Lord said, rise and anoint him, for this is the one. Then Samuel took the horn of oil, anointed him in the presence of his brothers, and the spirit of the Lord came mightily upon David from that day forward. Samuel then set out and went to Ramah. 
This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. As I said last week in our live stream, I am a Methodist, which means I don't know how to worship without singing. Uh, so I'm going to sing a song for us. This is a short, uh, very short hymn from our hymnal. I'm going to sing, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. Feel free to join in with me if you'd like, or you can just listen. <clears throat> Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful, wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord does not see as mortals see. They look on outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Would you all please pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. <clears throat> True terror is waking up one day and realizing that your high school senior class is running the country. Uh, that is one of my all-time favorite quotes from uh, the writer Kurt Vonnegut. Kurt Vonnegut is known for books like Slaughterhouse-Five and Breakfast of Champions and Hocus Pocus. He's known for other quotes like, we are what we pretend to be, so we must be very careful about what we pretend to be. Uh, and yet for a pastor to love the writing of Vonnegut is saying something, considering the fact that he was an outspoken agnostic humanist, or to put it a little more concretely, another one of his more famous quotes is, if I should ever die, God forbid, I hope you will say, Kurt is up in heaven now, because that's my favorite joke. I hope the joke was on Vonnegut, though, and that he's now rejoicing in the glory of the Lord, lapping up the supper of the Lamb that has no end. Anyway. When I was younger, I came across another quote of Vonnegut's that, for obvious reasons, has really, really stuck with me over the years. It goes like this. People don't come to church for preachments, of course, but to daydream about God. That is just, that's just such a really, really good quote, and it's resonating with me particularly right now since we actually can't go to church. Uh, the threat of the coronavirus is looming over public gatherings this is tough because the church is a people who gather together who cannot gather together right now. And still the sentiment of his quote, it just rings out whether we're meeting in person or not. People don't come to church to hear a preacher like me ramble on about a particular biblical text. They don't come to offer up and hear droning announcements about things they can do during the week. They don't even come to say the prayers that they could say on their own whenever they want. People come to church because they want to know something about God. They want to discover something about the Lord. Now, at times, this hoped-for discovery, it's something concrete. In the midst of uncertainty, people look for solid ground. In the midst of a diagnosis, people look for hope. In the midst of sorrow, people look to the Lord who will hold them when it feels like they can't hold it together. But at other times, it's a little different. Whether we would be able to articulate it or not, many of us gather as the people called church with just one question on our minds. What is God like? What is God like? 
And scripture does not disappoint us. And this is perhaps why so many people flock to Jesus' parables in the New Testament. They are all attempts at encapsulating the character of God in a single story, such that upon hearing it, we might catch a glimpse at the answer to our question. In today's passage, the choosing and the anointing of David, we encounter the Lord, the Lord who cares more about one's heart than one's outward appearance. If any line from the scripture is known by Christians, it's that one. That particular line was even reappropriated famously by Martin Luther King Jr. I have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but instead by the content of their character. You know, God strangely and rather bizarrely chooses David as the next king of Israel. And to bask in the audacity of such a call is difficult for us because many of us know what will happen to this shepherd boy. We can't hear about his calling without already conjuring up in our minds the defeat of Goliath, the dancing before the ark, the domination of the territories that would result in the power of Israel. And more often than not, when we hear the story, if frankly we hear the story at all, the boys of Jesse are paraded before the prophet Samuel, and it's all about David and why David was selected and how he would become king. You know, it was even reading this story to my son Elijah this week through his comic book version of the Bible. And when it came to this scene, God's not even in it. We don't even get the voice of God speaking to the prophet. It's just about why David would be the best. It even shows him out in the wilderness killing a lion. But this isn't a story about David. It's a story about God. A God who sees more than we could possibly ever see. A God who delights in making something out of our nothing. A God who rejoices in choosing the people we wouldn't to change the world. So, you know, why are you tuning into this live stream? Maybe, you know, why are you listening to it later? Why are you reading it online? Are you here to hear my preachments? Or are you here because you want to hear something about God? God still speaks all the time. God speaks to us through word and sacrament. God is made manifest in the means of grace and the hope of glory. God is there in the waters of baptism with us in the bread and the cup of communion and with us in each and every one of our breaths. But God, God is not like how we so often think. I mean, just for a second, imagine God in your minds. Just close your eyes, imagine God in your head. What do you see? Is it an old man with a long flowing beard resting on some puffy clouds? If that's what you're seeing, that's Hallmark. That's not the Bible. God is, for lack of a better word, different. You know, God is foolish according to the ways of the world because God sees something in David, something that no one else could see, not even Samuel the prophet. And that's because God is different. God, God is like someone stuck in between being a teenager and being a full adult. For those of us in the throes of adulthood, I know this can sound a little off-putting, but that doesn't mean it isn't true. You know, God kind of seems to make a whole bunch of mistakes. He's always trying out the wrong people for the wrong job. He's always seeing the world through a two-glass-half-full attitude, and yet we love to make God into our own image. We do it all the time, whether it's in our art or in our words, or our preachments, or our prayers. 
Albert Schweitzer once said that every time we go looking for God, it's like we're peering down deep into the bottom of a well. And even though we think we see something down there, what we're really seeing is just a faint reflection of ourselves. But if you're brave enough to jump down into the well, if you're brave enough to jump down into the strange new world, the Bible, you will find a God who rebukes our desires to make God into our own image. God is God, and we are not. Think about it. God, God is like someone stuck in this never-ending youthful time of idealism, even though everything in the world is screaming the contrary. Who would be the best person to put in charge of this uh, budding nation we're calling Israel? Surely a major modern general or a lifelong diplomatic politician? No, God says. I want that ruddy boy wandering off with the sheep. You know, I want the one who keeps whistling without a care in the world. I want the one who's going to throw it all away because of a rooftop peeping session. I want the one that no one else wants. Are we sure that we should trust God? You know, at Pentecost, the beginning of this strange thing we call the church, someone had too much to drink, according to some people on the street. Furniture was all tossed around the upper room, and there was a distinct smell of something burning, wafting around the air. People could barely understand this ragtag group of individuals who tumbled out into the busy streets with nothing to proclaim but the good news of a free ticket of grace. And that was God's idea of a good time. One of the best stories Jesus ever told. A story squarely about God. It's about two boys who were terrible to their father. The younger one says to his dad, Hey, Dad, I want you to drop dead. I want my inheritance right now. And he goes off and he blows it all. The other son, he resents his father for not throwing him a party, even though he's been living in his dad's basement all these years. And the dad, in the end, he pulls out all the stops. He throws the party to end all parties for the younger, wayward, prodigal son who comes home. And he goes outside and he begs the older one to just relax and come in and have a good time. Have you ever wondered about why so many Jesus, why, why so many of Jesus' stories end with parties? I mean, it's interesting. These stories, they're filled to the brim with the lame, the maimed, the blind, people with whom many of us wouldn't be caught dead. God is all over the place. God is frenetic in disposition, often rambling on about new ideas and is constantly inviting us to come join the ride. Frankly, it's not just about us. God is inviting everyone to jump on this crazy train that is careening out of the station toward a destination that only God knows where. We're stuck on this train with God and God is noticing all sorts of things that we've stopped noticing, like blind beggars, the widow's coins, a child willing to share his life. God is screaming for our attention, and he keeps pointing out the mistakes of the pompous, the self-righteousness of wealth, and the injustice of the powerful and the elite. God even has the gall to proclaim, you know, only kids are going to get into my kingdom, and it's basically impossible for a rich person to get in. And to make it even more confounding, God rounds that one out with the whole, you know, but nothing is impossible for me. You know, I wonder why no one took the time to explain to God how the world actually works. Surely, a disciple or a prophet or even a stranger could have sat God down and informed him that people need to behave properly, they need to stay in line, or at the very least, God could have matured a little bit, taken a good hard look in the mirror, and decided to shape up. But no, God just keeps bumbling around, hanging out with the disreputable types of people, spending the morning with the sick, 
Noseville repute, lunch with tax collectors, and then late night snacks with the questioning religious authorities. God is like someone who shows up with friends at a party uninvited, all the while encouraging everyone to drink the good wine and then rubs his hands together until the wine overflows only to leave to go to the next party where God was similarly uninvited. And because God acts this way, people will often approach the Lord at these parties. Words will be said, voices raised, faces smacked. But does God ever raise God's voice? Does God bring the smack down on those who lean toward violence? In short, does God act the way we would? No. Never. God is like someone who wants to know us better. Someone who has plenty of opinions for how we should be living our lives. In fact, God wants to know us better than we want to know God. God never stops inviting us to the party. Like that dad in the parable, begging his older son to come in. And even though we reject the offer, the offer more often than not, the offer, it always stands. Even some of us have said no to God as politely or as emphatically as we know how. And God keeps calling us the next day and the day after that and the day after that. God is intense, passionate, unbalanced, unfair, a little too honest. God is always pushing the envelope, testing the boundaries of what we might call proper behavior. God is the one who sees a vision of the world that even on our best days, we could never properly imagine. And we wonder, why can't God just calm down about all this stuff? If God really wants to be God of all people, wouldn't it be better if God just towed the line a little, stayed unbiased about the comings and the goings of the world? When will God relax and start acting like the God we want him to be? But of course, the story of Scripture is not about us. It's about God. The Lord saw David's heart and chose him even though David would mess it all up in the future. You know, one would hope that God would make better choices than picking a murderous adulterer to be the king of the nation, but then again, God chose us. God chose to dwell among us, to redeem us, and to save us. And though it pains us to admit, even though God came to usher in a new vision of the world, even though God came to set us free from our bonds to sin and death, there is just something about God's attitude, something about his disposition that made us want him dead. God is different. But that's exactly why the good news is so good. So I offer this to you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. One God now and forever. Amen. It is a strange time, not just for the church, but for the whole world. All these different reports of, um, and the statistics uh, of the rise of the virus spreading in different places. As I said earlier about uh, grocery stores trying to change their operating procedures and hours to adapt to what's happening. It's a, it's a strange time. So, I'd like to have us pray again, but this time uh, I want to share a prayer that is particularly a prayer for the sick, for those who are uh, feeling the effects of what's happening right now more than other people. So if you are able, would you please pray with me? Heavenly Father, giver of life and of help, health, 
comfort and relieve your sick servants. Give your power of healing to those who minister their needs, that those for whom our prayers are offered may be strengthened in their weakness. Have confidence in your loving care. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear what is really happening in the world, O Lord. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. Amen. At Cokesbury, whenever we gather for worship, uh, there are four parts to our worship service. There is the gathering, uh, the beginning where we'll sing hymns and we'll offer prayers and we'll hear announcements. There's the uh, proclamation in which we read scripture, our choir will sing, I will offer a sermon. Uh, there's then the response to the word. Oftentimes we will say things like the Apostles' Creed or we will have communion. Uh, and then we're sent forth uh, to uh, bring with us the light of Christ into the world. And so thinking about this strange time where we can't gather in person and what it means to respond to the world, uh, I was thinking that this week uh, we could all respond by trying to do something together. Uh, and that's, I'd like to ask each of you who are listening, whether you're part of our church or not, to reach out to three people this week. Uh, if you're part of our church, it would be great if you could reach out to three people from our church, uh, whether through a phone call or an email or a letter in the mail. If you're not part of our church, just reach out to three people from your life, maybe a family member or a friend or a coworker or a neighbor. Reach out to three people this week just to check on them. Ask them how they're doing. See if there's anything you can do for them. Just reach out. There's a lot of isolation that's happening because of this. Uh, and I think so many of us get so caught up in how we're experiencing it, we don't tend to think about how other people might be experiencing it. So reach out. Reach out to three people. If you're from our church and you don't know how to get in touch with three different people, send an email to the church. Our email address is cokesburyumc at gmail.com. I will send you names and contact information for three people you can call and check on. Because even though we cannot gather in person right now, that doesn't mean that we are distant from one another in spirit or in communication. An encouraging word right now can do more than you and I might ever imagine. And it could be the difference that makes all the difference. So I am grateful that you have made the decision to be with me and with us at this time to hear what God is saying. I hope in some way, shape, or form that you see how strange it is that God has called us, that God decided to dwell among us because everything about us screams the contrary. This thing called grace, this gift bestowed upon us is not something we could ever earn or deserve. And God has given it to us because God is different from us. God has done and continues to do for us what we would not and could not do for ourselves. And that, as I said, is why the good news is so good. So until we meet again, whether in person or online, <laughs> on the internet, uh, may God be with you. May you uh, find comfort in the habits of your life. Uh, and I hope that as you reach out to three people, maybe three people will reach out to you and you will continue to see how God graces us even in the midst of something like this. So go forth. May the God of grace and glory, God of the beginning and the end, the God of life, the God of death, the God of resurrection, the God of David, the God who calls those we never would. May God help you to see and know and believe that God is God and we are not. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. Amen. Go in peace. 
and we'll see you next week at this time and at this place.